0: The Rightly Dividing Podcast, Episode 3. Hey, and welcome back to The Rightly Dividing Podcast. I'm Preacher Shane, and I'm glad to have you with us. Today on this episode, we'll be looking at Jesus of the Bible, and how He is not necessarily what many in modern American Christianity uh, think today, And so we'll look and see what the scripture actually has to say by rightly dividing the word of truth. And a couple of years ago, I preached a series or did a series of Bible studies on the Jesus of the Bible. And today's episode, we'll be looking at a familiar story in the book of Matthew, where Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And we'll see how he dealt with those temptations. And because of how he dealt with those temptations, we can see how we can deal with temptations in our life as well. So let's get into that episode now. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. And then we'll read down through Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11. <coughs> We'll touch on a little more on what we looked at last week and then uh, go on into the temptation of the Lord in the wilderness by Satan. Verse 13 of Matthew 3, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh, uh, for thus it becometh us to fulfil all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan." For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So last week as we were looking in our study, we saw the baptism of Jesus uh, as the the beginning or the uh, signifying of the beginning of his earthly ministry Uh, We've looked at his life in the 18 years from age 12 to age 30, uh, where he served and worked as a carpenter, and here we have him coming into his ministry. We left off last week looking at the fact that the religious crowd of that day were uh, questioning him and challenging his authority by what authority he had the right to do this and what authority he had to teach what he taught. Um, and they got to the point they could not, um, they could not find any fault in his uh, in his ways and his teachings, so they began to personally attack him uh, with false accusations and um, slanderings. Uh, They had accused him of of being born out of adultery. Uh, They accused him of you know several different untrue accusations up to the point where they accused him of being a devil or, or having a devil or being possessed by a devil um, in, in some instances uh, they concern they challenged him concerning his source of authority who gives you the right to say these things to do these things and you know it, at the baptism, that authority was revealed. Once he was baptized, and he came up out of the water, we see here in in our in our last part of chapter three that God lets them know who was um, was who where this authority came from. In verse seventeen, in lo, a voice from heaven saying, "This is my beloved son." in whom I am well pleased. So the the challenging of the authority uh, was was shown there where the authority comes from um, at the baptism. And God's voice was heard and uh, said this is my, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, and th- this was... Jesus had done no ministry yet that we have recorded. This was before any ministry had taken place. This was before He healed any of the sick. This was before He uh, told anyone that they were forgiven of their sins. This was before He selected any of His apostles. This was before He did any of His miracles. This was the very beginning. And yet God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Before any of the things that we would think would be uh, actions that would cause God's pleasure on us and for us, this was before any of that had taken place. And God says, This is my my Son in whom I am pleased. And so this is something that we can take away from when we look at the Jesus of the Bible is that God's pleasure is not based on our actions, on our things that we do for him. Um, It's based on whether or not we are one of his children. It is not our actions because there are times When our children do things to disappoint us. And so we as a child of God do things that are disappointing to our Heavenly Father at times. But if we are His child, that still does not um, dissuade His pleasure uh, of us being His child and, and of Him being our Father. So if we're in Christ... We are a child of God. We are adopted into the family of God. God accepts us of who we are because of who we are in Christ. And because God is pleased with His Son, then He is pleased with us. As Paul says, we are accepted in the Beloved. So when God sees us, he sees his son in whom he's well pleased if we're in Christ. Um, so that, that is something that we see there in Christ's baptism, that, that God was pleased with him before any of the actions of what we would think would be pleasing to God took place. So Jesus, and we saw last week that the, the baptism was a picture. It was looking forward to the cross. It was looking forward to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's what uh, believer's baptism represents now in, this, in, in, our, in the church age. As we, uh, when we follow the Lord in believer's baptism, we are being obedient to his command to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It is a picture is representing the death, the burial and the resurrection, the death, to sin, uh, being buried in Christ and being raised a new creature. So, so Jesus baptism was looking forward to the cross. Uh, the immersion was the death and the burial. The rising out of the water was an anticipation for the resurrection. And Luke and Paul uh, both write that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection. So when Jesus came up out of the Jordan, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost came down upon him. The Spirit of God here in Matthew says, in verse 16, descending like a dove and lighting upon him. So the Spirit came down on him. God spoke from heaven audibly, declaring that Jesus was his son and he was well pleased in him. Uh, Just a little later, uh, John declares Jesus to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover Lamb he is what the Passover lamb was looking at and looking toward in a picture and a type of, and that that blood was, would save Israel from the death angel. Uh, Jesus is the the Passover lamb fulfilled in the fact that his blood would, uh, would be an atonement for the sins of the world. For the New Testament, repeats uh, the witnesses and the testimony to the fact that Jesus is uh, the fulfillment of the Passover lamb and that every lamb that's, that's blood was shed for the sins of Israel uh, we see in Jesus. We find that Paul declares that, we find that John declares that, that Peter declares that, that the, the writer of Revelation, that, that John the Beloved declares that. We, we see that uh, Jesus' baptism was a, was a foreshadow of the ministry of him suffering. And then we come to chapter 4 of Matthew and and what we're looking at this week. Uh, Immediately after the baptism, we we move into chapter 4 and uh, look at verse 17 of chapter 3. And a lower voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So immediately when his ministry begins, the first thing we see is him being led out by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So he's, he's going from his affirmation of ministry, when God says, This is my beloved Son, and this spirit lights on him. This same spirit now leads him to the wilderness. And the Bible tells us to be tempted. Um, the, I, I think probably the most dangerous place in a person's life is to be... Um at the peak of that mountaintop experience. Uh, that that when you feel, you know, everything is right with the world, you feel God's pleasure on you, and you feel the power of the Spirit residing on you and in you, and, and you think, you know, God's being glorified and everything is is just that wonderful perfection. I think that can be the most dangerous place in the world to be at times because um, that is, you know, riding that crest of the wave because eventually that wave is going to, to crash. And so here we have Jesus being led to the desert, to the wilderness. Um... And the wilderness is a a picture and a symbol of of a couple of things. Uh, It can mean an encounter with God. And it can also mean a place of being tested. Um, You know, when Paul, on Paul's Damascus Road experience and after his salvation... In conversion, and after an ananias' praise for him, Paul is led to the wilderness, also by the Spirit, uh, to be taught of God. And so, it's a time of of Paul uh, encountering God and being taught of God. As Paul says, that no no man taught him his doctrine; that it was taught to him by God. Uh, and and then it can also be a place place of of testing. And a lot of times those two are related. The testing and the encountering of God. Um, so time in the wilderness uh, in the Bible is not an escape. Um, but it is an uh, a, a time of contact, a time of getting along with God, a time of uh, allowing God to speak and give us direction, uh, a time of trial and testing, um, similar to when Abraham was tempted by God, that type of tempting uh, and testing. And in, in this uh, account we have here in Matthew of the Lord's tempting in the wilderness by Satan, uh, if we go back, all the way back to Genesis, uh, we can see this. Uh, his Satan's mo does not change. <laughs> it's, it's the same in Genesis as it is here. When he uh, when he was there with Eve in the garden and uh, questioning God's word and and tempting Eve, uh, he used the same type of temptations the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and his, his MO his modus operandi never changes um, and we see that here um, in Matthew you know in, in the garden of Eden there was a confrontation between a a fallen uh, being that was in the form of the serpent and a human. And in the wilderness, we have the same thing taking place because we've looked at the humanity of Christ. We've looked at the fact that he is 100% man uh, you know, and it, it's hard for our minds to wrap around that, that fact that Jesus, though he is God and the Son of God and 100% God, he is also man and the Son of Man and 100% man. And so it's hard for our minds to grasp that. But here in the wilderness, we have the same temptations taking place with the, with the fallen created being uh, in the form of the serpent and now we have uh, the devil here, the Bible says, tempting Christ, tempting him uh, in his human nature. And this was uh, the first appearance we have in the, the garden is him tempting Uh, The first appearance we have of of Satan in the Old Testament is him tempting Eve in the garden. And the first appearance we have of him in the New Testament is tempting Christ in the wilderness. And so it's the same battle taking place, the same temptations taking place. We have... um, we have the the um, our adversary, one that is uh, opposing uh, the children of God in their mission for God, and it is um, when when Jesus uh, is talking with Peter and. Uh, Jesus asked the disciples, Who do men say that I am? And all the disciples start saying, Well, some say uh, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say prof- prophet, you know, and so they name off all these. And Jesus says, But who do you say that I am? And Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee, but my Father in heaven. And so Jesus says, "All right, Peter, you're blessed." And then Jesus goes on to tell them what's going to happen. He's going to be delivered up, and he's going to be killed. And uh, Peter says, "Be it far from thee, Lord!" And in the same, the same few verses, there he goes from blessing Peter to calling Peter Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, and because Satan's attempt is to divert Christ from his mission. And that's always been, and that's why this temptation always comes in these same forms. The, the uh, lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Uh, it, it's because they're all geared to divert Christ from his mission. Uh, all the way back from, to, to the garden, uh, Satan has been trying to bypass, get Christ to bypass the cross, and so uh, when Peter says, "No, that's not going to happen," Lord Jesus says, uh, "I recognize this is Satan again," because we see here that it says in at the, in the last verse we read in verse eleven, "Then the devil leaveth him." Now that does not mean he leaveth him alone from this point on. That just means. This time here, he leaves him for a little while, but throughout the New Testament we see Satan working again and again trying to divert Christ from the cross. And so now we have Jesus here in the wilderness. He's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was after afterward and hungered. I would imagine so. Um, I don't know of too many Baptists that could go forty days <laughs> without eating. Most Baptists I know can't go forty minutes without eating, <laughs> much less forty days. But he's there for forty days. Um, you know, I, the longest I. I have gone without eating was probably right at a week uh, when Rachel was born and she was in the NICU um, I felt the need to fast and she was in there for a week and she didn't eat while she was in there other than than being fed through a feeding tube but she was not able to actually uh, eat and so I fasted for the time that she was unable to eat. I chose not to as well. And um, so the longest that, that I had have gone is a week. And by the end of that week, I was ready to eat. Uh, I mean, a, a pack of stale crackers looked really good to me by the end of that, of that time. And... Um, so you know, I I can't I can't comprehend forty days. Um, you know, I get I get what I call the hunger shakes if I go too long without eating. Uh, you just you, you feel that that blood sugar drop and you get weak and so for forty days I, I just it's hard for me to imagine. I'm sure that. Uh, that stale crackers would have looked really, really good. Uh, You know, moldy crackers would have looked really good uh, going 40 days. So, uh, and during that time, you know, if you don't eat, you lose weight. So you lose weight. uh, Your energy is down, so you're not active, so you lose strength. Uh, when you go without eating for that long. So um, I'm sure that as the Lord was in the desert fasting for 40 days, uh, He lost a lot of body weight. He lost a lot of physical strength. Um, And being alone in the desert, I'm sure emotionally, uh, you know, He was depleted as well. So he had, um, you know, up until that point, as far as we know, there was no testing or uh, anything going on in his life. At his baptism, he was anointed. Uh, we looked at, at the, uh, the similarities between David and the Lord last week at the baptism. Um, so we see that uh, as David... After David's anointing, he was hunted. He was hunted by Saul, and he was Saul sought to kill David because David had been anointed the king of Israel. Now we have the Lord anointed at his baptism and the spirit coming upon the Lord. Now the Lord is in the wilderness to be tempted and he is now being hunted. By Satan, So just as David was hunted by Saul, Christ is being hunted by Satan uh, in order to divert him from the cross. He, Satan doesn't mind the fact that Christ was to die, but he's diverting him from his mission in, in the way he would have to die. And so we have here it says the devil. He has many names throughout the Bible, Uh, the accuser of the brethren. uh, You know, that name means uh, slanderer. Uh, It means uh, his his primary goal is to to, uh, smear the name of those that name Christ. He is a tempter. He... Um, He is our adversary. Um, So we see several pictures and names given to him to to give us an understanding of who he is and what he can do. Uh, The first Adam gave in to the temptation. The second Adam did not. So, the, uh, and in all of this event, this taking place, the entire universe was held in the balance from what's, what was taking place there. In, in Genesis, God created Adam in the image of God. He commanded Adam to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. Adam was supposed to subdue the earth. Uh, that means if things got out of line, Adam was supposed to put them back in line. That was Adam's mission. And Adam failed that mission. The, um, God made us stewards of the earth. And through disobedience... Adam basically handed the title deed of the earth over to the devil. And Satan became, as the Bible says, the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world uh, because of Adam's disobedience. Uh, He's referred to as the ruler of this world. And, and we see that in the New Testament, that would... Uh... So, Adam failed his mission and handed the title over from subduing this world. And now here in the wilderness, we have the second Adam facing a very similar challenge what Adam faced and he's facing the same adversary and he's facing him in order to gain back the real estate that Adam lost Um, if Satan could have tempted Jesus into sin he would have won the victory Christ's mission would have failed and we would have seen the same thing again that happened when Adam fell. Jesus, however, won the temptation, kept winning the temptation. Uh, Then he proclaimed that the ruler of this world is coming and um, basically he says that Satan has no ground to stand on. Uh, because of the fact of him overcoming the temptations. Um, That looks like a good place for us to stop tonight. Well, that does it for today's episode. Thanks again for listening. I'm Preacher Shane, and I'm glad to have you along this journey as we learn to rightly divide the word of truth. Make sure to visit our website at PreacherShane.com and uh, be ready for the next episode. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.